0: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb,
0: and I'm Julie Douglas.
1: Julie, you know the uh, over the weekend, I received a call. A friend of mine told me, "Hey, um, I have a favor. Mm-hmm. I've got this uh, this family member he and his family need out of their house this weekend mm-hmm. because of rats."
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say witness relocation program.
1: No, no, no. This was in a it'll, well, similar in, in some ways, but no. This was this was a situation where they were renting a house, and then they realized that there was a serious rat problem, like Ugh. like a bad rat problem, enough to, to flee. Because there's so many. I mean, rats are are gross. Rats are. Disease carriers, they, you know, we ha- and then we have all these additional images of them, say, crawling into cradles and eating babies at night, and uh, right, you know, or or firing up the oven and attempting to cook things and, and causing house fires. Uh, these are common fears.
0: Yeah, or lassoing you with their long, long tails. Yes, that's long, my fear. Long tails.
1: Yeah, and uh, in, in the midst of this, that uh, there was talk of like, oh, the city's going to come and demolish the house. Like it's that bad wow. the house is going to be destroyed and possibly burned, which w- a control burned, which sounded crazy. To me, yeah. Because it seems like if you burn a house full of rats, you're just going to send flaming rats out into the surrounding neighborhoods.
0: Now I have to ask: Were they keeping like cuts of meat in the basement, or no, no. you know, just hanging on hooks?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know if there was like a cave underneath the house that went to some secret rat underworld. But I, oh. I had in my mind the image of like if we were to pry up the floorboards, would, yeah. we, would we would we see there uh, in the in the darkness this. Uh, this this sight like right out of a German woodcut from the Middle Ages. Would we see a rat king?
0: Oh ho ho! With all its little rats tangled up in its tail.
1: Yeah, a cluster, kind of like a um, what are those cookies where it, they're like clusters? Goo goo clusters. Yeah, like a goo goo cluster of rats.
0: Oh my god, that's disgusting. Yeah,
1: it is disgusting. It's it's uh. Because ordered-
0: somewhere there exists a goo goo cluster of rats. That's an edible like street food. Maybe I, can guarantee uh, I
1: mean rats may be good e- eating. That's uh, that's that's a, that's a n- whole another issue entirely, and uh, and who knows, rat kings may be good e- good eating. But but the idea of the rat king I find so fascinating, and uh, most people do because a it's grotesque, mm-hmm. it's just purely grotesque, and b it's uh, it's kind of a, a fictional, fantastic exaggeration of uh, humanity's um, long history with the rat, because yeah. as we've spread. Across the globe, under nearly every continent. I mean, what well, we've spread to every continent, obviously at least one of those continents is, is more of a, just a foothold than anything. But the rats have always come with us. They've come with us on our ships. We've built yeah. cities and they've moved in next to us. They, uh, you know, anywhere we go, we're taking them with us and we're always waging wars with the rat to keep it from invading our space and, uh, Living off the, the fat of our land.
0: Yeah, yeah. And in fact, before we actually get to rat kings and how horrific they are or maybe aren't, mm-hmm. we'll get to that. Um, to your point about infestation and how we've tried to keep them at bay, in 1780, a Japanese boat infested with sewer rats shipwrecked off the Alaskan coast. And rats killed off masses of residents, seabirds, and the island became known as Rat Island. <sighs> Um in two thousand and eight, think about them festering for for this long right, right? seventeen eighty to two thousand eight the u s Fish and Wildlife Service coated the island with poisoned grain because they were trying to get rid of them i mean i don't I'm not quite sure what the issue was there were they like paddling over in their boats <laughs> to Alaska and um you know scaring the townsfolk but unfortunately, when they did that they they took down not only the rat but they also harmed all the other wildlife species i mean obviously that's a good uh example of why rats haven't been eradicated completely right yeah. because it's very hard to ferret them out without ruining the entire environment
1: yeah they can eat just about anything they breed incredibly fast
0: oh yeah and do you know why why so because they don't care they will breed a mother and the uh, and the newborn mm-hmm. will breed a father and a sister, a brother and a sister. I mean, it's kind of incest city when it comes to rats.
1: So, and as humans, we can't help but be disgusted by that aspect of of ratdom as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So that gives them many more breeding opportunities. And they
1: can live just about anywhere. I mean, aside from the whole, nearly every continent, they can live in cold climates, they can live in hot climates, they can live in your basement, they can live in your attic they can they can live in the most disgusting of circumstances and they're totally cool with it they're like hey i know it's it's horrible in here but we're going to all breed with each other anyway and eat everything we can
0: Well, and not only just eat everything we can, but sometimes mothers will eat their young as well. So there's infanticide there.
1: Right. But as we've discussed in a previous podcast, we can't judge that too harshly because on on a purely economy of energy level, it just makes sense.
0: Well, and it's not like the mother rat's just sitting around going nom, 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 give me my young. (laughs) It's usually a case where there's, there's some sort of situation that is extraordinary and that, you know, uh, some sort of food source is not available. Right. So she looks to her young.
1: It's kind of like the, the rat equivalent of, Ooh, I'm not going to drink all this water. I'm going to pour it out in the plant kind of a thing. You know, it's just as it's, it's, it's sensible a decision as that. Yeah. And then, of course, the rat has a huge stigma for being a plague carrier. Uh, yeah. The idea that these things are not only living amongst us, but they are carrying diseases that could wipe out whole cities. Uh, the rat becomes this, this dire symbol of plague uh, out of the Middle Ages. It's an image that has never quite been able to shed.
0: Well, and people would look to the rat to try to ascertain you know what the disease was doing because mm-hmm. if a large population of rats were dying out, that was usually a precursor to a plague coming and rolling down the street right right um, but it turns out that the rats were actually in concert, if you can say that <laughs> with fleas yes, uh, it was really the fleas that were carrying this and um Reinfecting the rats, which would then bring the plague
1: to the yeah. The people. rat was really just a middleman in this whole plague business.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, it was. Re- yeah, you're right. Fleas, please kind of got away scot free here, uh, with the uh, with the old inf- infesting of uh, people's houses and streets and all that good stuff.
1: But you can imagine this medieval German townsman looking into this, uh, looking under the floorboards, prying mm-hmm. them out open. Rats are scurrying back, and he sees a rat king down there. He sees. Uh, say I don't know eight, say ten, say thirty-two um, rats mm-hmm. with their tails just intertwined into this vast tangled knot of just grossness. And imagine him seeing that, and 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 knowing even then that uh, what this what this might mean. You can just you can you can imagine that being just such a dire omen because it would mean you were living in in pretty close confines with a lot of rats.
0: Right, well, and that that cluster of rats could perhaps uh contain its own bubonic plague, right right um i mean that that would be the fear, especially if that was the story that was told to you over and over growing up, particularly in Germany, where apparently um well you know, some people have said that a lot of these rat kinks have been found, and again, just to go back to this, we are talking about a mass of rats entangled together, bound by blood, fecal matter, and other filth.
1: Yeah, but of course, aren't we all? Uh, but yes, the... Uh, Not today. <laughs> I took a shower. Well, I mean, on a figurative level, you know. But uh, the Rattenkönig, the uh, the Rat King, it's been a really enduring image in Germany. Mm-hmm. You see it uh, when you try... It, look, we'll get into sort of the, the possibilities of it existing in real life and some of the arguments for and against in a, in a second, but, um, right. but just the idea of the Rat King. A, again... I like to think of it as an exaggeration of our attitudes towards rats. B. Uh, there have been some arguments that uh, rat catchers, because you have a rat problem in the city, you of course have a a booming industry of rat mm-hmm. catching, and that is that's something that existed for a long while. It still exists uh, in the form of pet control, but they tend not to call themselves rat catchers.
0: Yeah, but that kind of pestilence, thankfully, is not as widespread as it used right, to be. Right. So, yeah.
1: But you would have rat catchers that would catch a bunch of rats, and sometimes they would apparently tie their tails together mm-hmm. as an easy way to bring them in, because you'd have kind of like a rat bounty. Like bring us, right. bring us eight rats, get eight dollars, and they're like, all right, well, I don't have, forgot my rat sack today. What am I going to do? I better string all their tails together and uh, and bring them in in a big grotesque uh, heap. So there's that, and then you have all these uh, ideas too, very folklore ideas of of the rats having some form of king or having some form of mm-hmm. queen, and in some of these models of the king, the the rat king either is this tangle of rats or it sets upon a tangle of rat tails. And, of course, uh, people have loved that image, too, just in terms of, of using that model to apply to uh, perceptions of crooked human rulers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Martin Luther called the Pope a lot of things. And one of the things that he called the Pope in one of his many diatribes was a rat king, uh, a rat and Konig,
0: That's right, sitting on the backs of his subjects, basically right. being well-fed. So this, again, yeah, there's this image of this rat king sort of controlling this swarm um, and profiting
1: from it, really. Right. And and even our beloved uh, Nutcracker uh, ballet, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> By some. Yeah? Yeah. The Rat King shows up there.
1: Yeah. And, the, and now in the, the versions that I had to sit through uh, year after year as a child, because uh, my sisters were all in ballet, the rat never had more than one head. But apparently, okay. if you go back to some of the older writings of the tale, uh, he'll have more than one head, calling back to this idea of the 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 true Rat King.
0: I'm gonna say that some producers sat down and said, you know what, this is a great folktale, but <laughs> maybe know. we should just have one head because we yeah, really want to sure. sell some tickets to this, and this is just way too nightmarish. For all the kids are like, ah, here's a four headed Rat King,
1: yeah, well, dancing I put, around. I put it to anyone out there who's involved in the ballet industry. Is it an industry? Would you say? Oh, sure. Yeah, um, big industry. Yeah, that you know, the Nutcracker is one of those things you haul out every year because it's a it's a guaranteed moneymaker, right? Uh, I think in and I think there is a tendency to maybe get lazy with the Nutcracker Suite. So the next time somebody's staging a performance, I say do an old-school Rat King, get eight male dancers out there, tie them together, mm-hmm. and have them dance throughout the play. Or at least throughout the first act, before all the candy shows up.
0: I like this idea of doing this kind of macabre Nutcracker. Yeah. Actually, they should do it for adults. Yeah. And it should be a puppet show.
1: I like it. Okay, like we it. just made it. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, so those are some of the ideas about the rat king as folktale. We should probably take a break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to get into some of these alleged examples of real rat kings and what we can say about the, their legitimacy. And also we'll, all, uh, we'll go to the microbial level uh, and examine some uh, some rather tiny rat kings. So uh, stick with us. All right, we're back. Rat kings.
0: Rat kings, the Um, earliest report comes from uh, Germany in 1564, right? Yes. So the sightings have been around for a while. Um, But a credible sighting of a live rat king has never really been confirmed.
1: Right. I mean, um, uh, we have some stories here and there. There was a really uh, neat one out of uh, Estonia. This was the rat king of Saru. Mm-hmm. I like the references to the rat kings as the rat king of, as if they actually had some sort of leadership Dominion over, out. yeah, yeah. This was really cool, and we were uh, uh, reading an article about from one Andre Milajutin. This was January 16, 2005. You have this, uh, just sort of your average Estonian, and he uh, finds one, uh, so allegedly finds a rat king on the floor of his shed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the animals are you know, tied there. They're unable to escape, so the farmer's son comes in uh, with a stick and kills it. Or right. it kills them. You know, it depends how you want to frame that. But uh, so apparently this cluster contained 16 rats. And um, their tails were knotted uh, together and in, in this lump that contained frozen sand. There had recently been like a cold snap. And at the time that they were discovered only nine of the rats were alive, uh, three of the rats ended up falling off. The interesting thing about this story is that the guy didn't immediately call the newspaper. He thought That's it was right. weird. Yeah. He put it on a board and it was like, hey, fellow Estonian villagers, Come check out this grotesque thing I found. I'm going to leave it on the front porch for a little bit. Come by and gawk at it. And people came and gawked at it. But then the zoologist found out about it, right?
0: Was it like a cousin or something? Was a, yeah. a reporter who yeah, found yeah. out about it and hooked up a zoologist?
1: Yeah. So the next thing you know, the zoologist uh, come uh, from the museum uh, at the University of Tartu. And uh, this is the a natural history zoological museum. And uh, they come and collect it, preserve it now in, al- in alcohol. And, uh, you can still apparently go and see this rat king.
0: Although, I, I, if I understand it right, some of them are missing because other critters have come along and broken off a piece. Or
1: yeah, I think three of them were missing. Yeah, um, and all of them were kind of in very, like some of them have their brains eaten out, that kind yeah. of thing. You know, which is going to happen with a rat king. Here, it's uh, it's just you have to offer it of up. It, yeah. yeah, And there were some other examples that he uh, cited in this uh, that uh, Andre cited in this article uh, of Estonian rat kings. Um, there uh, was one in nineteen seventy one. The one in nineteen seventy one only consisted of three live rats, uh, allegedly. So that's that's pretty rat king That's Barely a rat king. Yeah. Like if you were to bring that to a party, you would you would get some looks. Um, and then the, there was another one uh, between nineteen fifteen and nineteen twenty that was supposedly more robust. And uh, the, the interesting thing about so many of these accounts is, like, we were talking about the folklore aspect of mm-hmm. it, and the initially you can't help but think uh, cryptozoology. Uh, you can't help but call BS on this. Right. Because it, it's so it's so fantastic and so tied in with myths and, and again, our exaggerations of our fears. It is essentially a, a monster of fantasy, uh, or so it seems. But then you look at these accounts, and the, the guys who are really into studying Rat Kings, mm-hmm. and granted, there are not that many people who are into um, empirically studying Rat Kings, they tend to make an, some arguments for how this could actually happen.
0: Yeah, you can tell that they're really wishing that this... Where they could say definitively, rat kings exist, yeah right there's there's some sort of hope there in trying to explain it, but at the same time they they will um uh, look at the unlikeliness that this these conditions would actually exist for a rat king um swarm, I guess you could say, right. to create itself,
1: yeah, like first thing, let's go go ahead and say it, like the most obvious thing was somebody faked a rat king, yeah, right it, it, all you have to do is get a bunch of dead rats, which is not hard. I mean, Especially
0: if you're a rat catcher,
1: right? If you're a rat catcher, easy to get. I mean, we could probably we could build a rat king today if we needed to. We could find them. We have a public we transportation can. system. Yeah.
0: I mean, seriously, seriously. After the podcast, yeah. After
1: the podcast, okay. We should we should do it. Okay, yeah. I'm in. Okay, uh, but yeah, you just get a bunch of rats, dead ones, tie their tails together. You're good to go. Yeah. Uh, as it turns out, you can't actually. Um, and, and apparently, some people have tried this. You can't tie rats' tails together while they're conscious. You would have to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you you would have to put them under with something, right. which creates a whole lot more work. Easier to just say you beat them to death with a broomstick. Well, and that counter. just
0: feels really ser- serial killer-ish. Yeah. Because then you're like some sort of crazed rat serial killer.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's bad enough that you're tying a bunch of dead rats together uh at least... Have them be dead rats. Right. So, so that's obviously one huge possibility is that these are fabrications. This kind of thing happens all the time with, with any number of things. The, the Fiji mermaid being a classic example of this, right?
0: Right, yeah. Fiji mermaid, we talked about this um, in a previous podcast. And The Fiji mermaid is made up of all sorts of different animals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, part fish, You know, I, I believe there's some bird parts in there as well. Yeah, some monkey yeah, some monkey skull, and it is a wonderful looking yeah. creature. I mean, you you look at it, and you you think, God, I do wish that did exist, but unfortunately, it, it did not.
1: They brought one to uh, Atlanta's Fernbank Museum a while back. Oh. Did you make it out to that exhibit? I did not. Uh, so they like the fantasy creatures thing.
0: Didn't you see one too at uh just like some sort of um, roadside museum?
1: Oh yeah, I think they had one in um, in a in a Beta Springs. Um, uh, Louisiana. There's an oddity museum that has a bunch of stuff like that that's all um, assembled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I remember getting the iPhone picture, and house. was like, oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's they de- yeah, they awesome. did. They
1: definitely had uh, a Fiji mermaid. They also had all sorts of weird crocodile fish contraptions that the owner had found. Yeah. Um, the Mystery House, the Abita Springs, the uh, Abita Springs Mystery House. Okay, so m- moving along from the the possibility that these are fake, what are s- some of the the reasons this could actually happen? Right. You're
0: right. Okay. So fear is fear. one reason that's brought up. Or they say, you know, if if uh if you were happening if you happen to come upon these swarm of rats mm-hmm. and they were essentially just sort of cornered mm-hmm. that they might in fear all begin to run the other way and tangle up in each other. Which seems kind of spacious, right? Right. But, es-
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially since a lot of these are found. Supposedly in burrows, places where they're going to feel safe anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, why, why are they? Why would they be panicking? Exactly,
0: just, you know. exactly. Because when people found them, right there, there was plenty of room where mm-hmm. they were. It wasn't like they were just cornered. And, uh, and again, there has never been an, a, a, an account of a live rat king. So nobody's actually been able to, to substantiate it and say, "Oh yeah, I found it right here. I've got some some video. Let's throw it up on YouTube."
1: Right. Another possibility, and this was one I ran across from the uh, Natural History Museum in Altenburg, Germany, which actually has a mummified specimen of 32 entangled rats on display mm-hmm. uh, that is supposedly dates back to 1828. The argument they were going with is that uh, rat pups are still very naked and their and, and their tails, but their tails are very mobile, and so their tails are whipping around and they end up getting entangled that way, and then they can't leave and they starve. Again, uh, that's Kind of suspect too, uh, whether whether that would actually happen or not.
0: Right, and then there's the frozen, uh, this idea that, that they could be sitting there in in a very cold environment, huddling together, mm-hmm. and somehow in their become own a, filth. In their important. own filth. That's yeah. right. So yeah. we've got all sorts of mucus and blood and feces,
1: and, yeah. and and just nesting materials there too. You yeah. Know, anyone who's ever seen a rat nest, we talk about that's a piece of our uh, our language the idea of a rat's nest it's just this random stuff so there's all right. sorts of things in there that could conceivably uh form this goo goo cluster of rats <laughs> tails right and and then suddenly there's a cold snap right
0: right but then that cold snap would have to be like a freeze-dried cold snap right yeah um not something that usually happens gradually uh you know so th- again it doesn't really hold water it doesn't really make sense that they would just be flash frozen which I think brings us to the conclusion, and most people, that this this is an animal of cryptozoology, really and truly.
1: Yeah, it's really hard not to side with that. I mean, the the article we were reading, the guy made a really impassioned argument for this Estonian case because he mm-hmm. was like, this guy had no motive, he had no profit, he um, he didn't attempt it to like f- it was falling apart out of the, the tangles, mm-hmm. like he wasn't trying to to tighten everything back up and retie the rat king.
0: He also didn't know about rat kings at all, folklore right. and, and otherwise.
1: Yeah, but he wouldn't be the first, like, you know, it's an awesome idea. Sometimes people, you know, we've all had that moment where we're like, dude, I just had this awesome idea. What if, what if I tied a bunch of dead rats together? Yeah. And then people are like, oh, you mean a rat king? And you're like, oh, that's already a thing. And they're like, yeah, it's kind of been a thing for centuries.
0: He's like, oh, man. Yeah. Well, what was, what was I to do on a slow day on the farm?
1: So, yeah, we tend, we tend to have to side with the, with the whole cryptozoological angle. I mean, granted, if rat kings do exist, it's, it's a rare, rare thing. Mm-hmm. And most of the time we're not going to find it because these things are gonna die, right because they can't they can't really um, hunt or, or forage for food in that condition. and they would rot uh, or be eaten by their fellow rats or by other organisms. But still, from a science angle, we have to side with uh, with the idea that this is probably uh, bunk.
0: But you, sir, you ferreted out the real Ramona, the real Rat King.
1: That's right. I, I refuse to take no for an answer, even from, from well, even from science, uh, when it comes to something as interesting as the Rat King. I was like, I, I was thinking, surely there's something. That is uh, equatable to this, right? And sure enough, um, we do encounter something—a rat king-like effect—with trematodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are small parasitic flatworms that use vertebrates as uh, their definite host and mollusks as their intermediate host. All right, we're just
0: talking about mollusks and birds,
1: right? So, uh, ducks. So, yeah, they, they go through several. These parasites are, go through several different phases, uh, several different forms, and the uh, the form that goes through. Uh, Typically, like you know, like a bird or a duck, is uh, a cercaria. Okay, and these are larval forms, um, and uh, they have different ways of entering a species. Mm-hmm. Um, some uh, use their little tails to swim, for lack of a better. Uh, phrase up into the duck mm-hmm. and then others have actually uh, evolved to have elongated tails so they can look like a prey it's like kind of a fishing lure effect you know mm-hmm. imagine one of those lures with the long wriggly tails the, the bird sees it it eats it and oops you just ate a parasite uh it needs you to advance out of this form mm-hmm. well there are uh, some of these um cercaria that have these long tails uh and they will actually intertwine uh, with each other and form not not something that not only looks kind of like a rat king, but um, biologists actually uh, call call it a uh, rattenkönig uh, cercaria. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting why they do this. The primary reason being it's the same reason that the uh, that some of the cercaria have the extra long tails to attract the bird and make it think that it's uh, it's something good to eat. Mm-hmm. So. If one is trying to pull this out and trying to get a lot of attention better that a bunch of them cluster together right right and intertwine those little tails and and then they also use it for increased mobility which is uh, rather interesting
0: that's right they, they also can conserve some of their energy if they all work together right and I really like this idea of this Trojan horse sort of situation <laughs> you know where it's like oh come here ducky um, I, have a, I have a delicious surprise for you uh, and then unleashing all of these parasites upon the duck.
1: Yeah, it, this occurs across five different trematode superfamilies, and um, the members of this um, of this uh, this rat king um, they, again they rotate in the same di- direction, generating a current that moves a batch of up to 700 circaria efficiently. So there you have 700. it, 700, 700 strong. This particular um, trematode rat king. So I, I just find that that fascinating. Um, <laughs> Their, their little yoked tails.
0: I know. I'm telling you, it's, it's it's kind of frightening to think that parasites are just so clever. Yeah. At uh, you know that they could cloak themselves and be like, yeah, look, I am delicious.
1: Yeah, and of course I can't help but then apply that model to rats and say like, well, all right, well, was there any reason that rats could conceivably evolve any kind of similar uh, function? If not now, then eventually. Uh, but but I, I don't think it really makes sense because a they're not parasites. B, uh, there's no increased mobility or energy uh, conservation in forming one of these clusters. Right. Because it seems like it's just a, a chaotic affair if, if uh, rats were to form into a rat king. Well, I'm also thinking, like too,
0: that it would really inhibit their ability to, um, to squeeze themselves through sewer pipes up through your toilet, which, by the way, they do because they, they follow the scent of um, fecal matter. Yeah. Uh so I mean you can but wouldn't that be horrifying to open your toilet bowl and see a, rat, a rat, king. rat king? Yeah. I mean that really is the stuff of nightmares right there.
1: Yeah. I mean especially yeah, if you're rooming with people and you're like, "Come on. Who left a rat king in the <laughs> toilet?"
0: Oh, I have so many um, digestive chips. definitely right
1: a flush it down situation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Rat Kings, there you go. I hope everyone uh, leaves this podcast with a little more uh, information about them. Uh, you know, maybe you've only heard about them in a, say, a Terry Pratchett book or a reference on 30 Rock. Uh, but I, I dare say we went into uh, unprecedented detail about the Rat King.
0: And, you know, the door is still open. Maybe they exist, but most likely not.
1: I'm going to keep, keep my mind open a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the Bigfoot. I tend to doubt it, but... Maybe. Maybe one day.
0: In the meantime, we have our microbial ones.
1: All right. Well, uh, hey, let's call over the robot and see if we have any listener mail. (laughs) All right. uh, We just heard from Lizzie, and Lizzie writes in and says, Hey, Robert and Julie, I was listening to your podcast today about hugging, and I was a little bit surprised you didn't mention the hug shirt. I was at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago back in August and saw this shirt on display. Being a new transplant to Chicago and living over a 1,000 miles from, from my loved ones, I uh, just thought about how nice it would be to have a hug from someone I missed. You send the hugs to a recipient wearing their hug shirt by cell phone. It has somewhere between 14 and 15 sensors all over the upper body to simulate a real hug. I thought it was really neat, and I was positive you were going to mention it on the podcast, and surprised that you didn't. And she includes a video. Ironically, there's a, there's a House HowStuffHordis video about this. But right, yeah. That. But, yeah, you know, sometimes the awesome stuff falls through the, the cracks, and that's when we depend on awesome folks to uh, let us know about it. I can't help but be reminded of the, um, uh, in, in reading this, the idea of sending a, a hug digitally, like pushing a button and then someone gets a hug, you know, miles and miles away or on the other side of the globe, uh, of the uh, this Japanese device that allows one to uh, send a kiss over mm-hmm. the Internet. And not just like a, the kind of smooch you would give a child, but like a big, tonguey uh, kiss, like a full-blown French kiss.
0: Wow. Yeah. So do you put some sort of mouthpiece on it? Yeah,
1: it's like a mouthpiece. It looks like something a dentist would put in your
0: mouth. Mm-hmm. Sounded sexy already.
1: Yeah, and there's like an apparatus. It's, it's kind of like a, I guess it looks kind of like, imagine a joystick for a video game that you stick inside your mouth and play with your tongue. And that's about what this consists of.
0: Wow, this, this podcast really is <laughs> the uh, the stuff of nightmares right now. It is. Rat kings and joysticks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, no, I think the hug shirt is pretty wonderful. It is, yeah. And it, I was thinking about how it's far less creepy than the um, the other hug mechanism we were talking about, mm-hmm. in which it kind of looks like a, a mannequin that you suction cup yourself with, yeah. with a vest that you wear. And it just sort of looks like the person's molesting the, the mannequin. But I really love the idea of having a hug shirt instead and having these pulses come through from someone you know. Maybe yeah, it, that's it's just a, me being old-fashioned.
1: It's a much more, yeah, old-fashioned and tamer version of other um, remote-controlled stimulation devices. So I think it's great. There you go. Yeah.
0: That's that's love in the future right there.
1: Exactly. So, hey, if you have anything you would like to share about love in the future, about hugs, awkward or technological in nature, or about the mighty Rat King, Rat Kings that you've known, Rat Kings that you've loved, Rat Kings that you've found under your floorboards and burned out of fear. Uh, let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. We are Below the Mind on both of those.
0: And you can send us an email at, at com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow.